podcast now at the time of recording this show twitter still exists it's working we're recording this before most of the world cup games start so it may be taken out by that we don't know it may be taken up by anything because as you may have noticed there's rather a lot going on at that company since elon musk taken over um and so i wanted to talk to someone who reports right at the heart of twitter in europe so I'm very pleased to be joined by Adrian Weckler, who is the, the tech editor at the Irish Independent. How are you doing, Adrian? How have you been keeping up with all of this? Yeah, it's uh, it's hard. To, it is hard to keep up because um, far from any set of logical, consistent rules or any advisory councils, it now seems to be one man uh, deciding everything. Yes. Well, I want to come back to the bit about men because there's a couple of pictures posted from Twitter that I want to discuss with you from Elon Musk. But let's start at the beginning. You and I discussed a while back, would it happen? Would Was it going to happen? It's happened. As everyone listening to the show will know, Elon Musk has bought Twitter. Uh, it was $54, $20 a share, wasn't it? Which a lot of people would argue uh, he massively overpaid for. And I think we have to have that context when we're discussing everything that has followed since, because obviously his immediate priority, not unreasonable for a CEO as a whole, is to make money. But obviously it's personally, it's affecting his kind of finances. We've seen he's had to sell Tesla stock, hasn't he? It's it's become quite a quandary for him. He's obviously putting a lot more time in it than perhaps he really wants to be. Um, and one of the first things we saw was mass layoffs. And although a lot of the focus of that has been, not surprisingly, the staff in California and elsewhere in the US who have been laid off, uh, staff here in Europe have been hugely affected. Uh, Ireland, where you are reporting, is the home of Twitter's European HQ. And there were significant layoffs there, weren't there? Yeah. So in Dublin, Twitter employed over 500 people. It's the European base Twitter gave 140 of them notice of redundancy. Notice now that it's not the same thing as in America where you're given your cardboard box and you're frog marched out the door. We do actually have some employment rights um, in Europe and in Ireland. So 140 have been put on notice of redundancy, but there are more who have left. If you look at some of the people from Twitter's Irish base who would have gone on to very senior executive roles, people like Damien Kieran, who was their head of privacy, he walked out the door um, along with a number number of other uh, uh, big executives. So probably the overall tally, they're down, I'd say over 200 people, um, so almost half. Uh, and that, of course, is not the same as in America, where Musk's vision is you, you make the team leaner and that, you know, eight engineers can do what 22 did before. That's not the same thing as in Europe, because we now have things like the Digital Services Act and the Digital Markets Act. And the function that the Dublin office serves is quite a different one to the one that the Californian uh, uh, office serves, which is all about whether we should introduce an edit button uh, or not. Um, the Dublin one is a little bit more focused on uh, doing things like keeping hate speech uh, off the platform. Yes. And of course, it is the key liaison point with the EU where so much privacy uh, regulation and 
data privacy regulation and all those kind of things comes from. You have to have those key liaison points within the heart of the EU. Um, so losing your head privacy person in Dublin is very, very, very significant. It's hugely significant. I mean, you know, to be fair, Damien Kieran, he graduated to be the global uh, privacy person. So the, what happened there, the next steps were, as I was reporting the Irish Independent, the Data Protection Commissioner here, who is the Data Protection Commissioner for all of Europe, for yep. Twitter and Google and Meta and all, all of the others. Um, her office then, on foot of reporting from us and others, had to then contact Twitter and say, do you have a Data Protection Officer in place? Because if you don't, you're in big trouble. Yeah. Uh, if you if don't, you... you're now, yeah. If you don't have these roles filled very, very quickly, yeah. I mean, ultimately, you no may not good. be able to function in Europe. Am I yeah. right? It's no good saying, oh, yeah, uh, Brad, my Tesla engineer. Yeah, he's going to take on that gig. You know, it's oh, no good saying that. You have to actually have somebody. So now Twitter did actually uh, appoint somebody or nominate somebody as a replacement. Maybe it's only an interim basis for the moment. That is being accepted on face value by a data protection commissioner here. That may change uh, in future. But overall, the, the, the mood and the tone here in terms of Twitter workers and the overall situation is as grim and as apocalyptic as we're reading uh, it is in the US. Um, yeah, and here, in, and here in London, where there were obviously, again, significant number of people doing significant work at Twitter employed, obviously now outside the EU, so it's slightly different ramifications. But, you know, it's still a territory where you must have, you know, respect data privacy. You have to have those people. There was other kinds of work and products being uh, produced here in London, lots of, you know, curatorial staff, all sorts of things being done here. Um, you know, for very obvious reasons why you would need a London base if you're a big tech company. Um, and, you know, to lose people in Dublin and London is uh, is hugely significant. And I do wonder, actually, as Elon Musk goes on this kind of, I wanted to say rampage, but that slightly, that sounds maybe a bit provocative from me, but uh, you can't help but think, did he actually take in consideration? Oh, my goodness, if I lose my privacy guy who's running privacy and is based in Dublin, that gives my company really big problems. Did you know you could? Did someone like Elon Musk think that stuff through? If I use lose a load of editorial and curatorial staff here in London, what does the product actually look like? All uh, signs point to a very contrary mental process taking place in his head. The his signature move is to push something to the edge and risk things and bet things and push it to a straining point. And that's part of his formula for, you know, getting further than entrepreneurs to do the things that others won't do. In some ways, some of his, his stands will argue that that's one of the things that makes him great. One of the things that allowed Tesla to finally produce um, a Model 3, um, which, you know, contributed to um the engineering errors that got his spacex rockets to to land vertically it doesn't wash in the social uh, media world for regulatory reasons we've already had the european commissioner thierry breton on publicly threatening on his own platform twitter you play by our rules if you don't um you're screwed and like they do tend to follow up with those threats i've been in a few events recently with commissioner margaret Vestager. she's the one who fined apple 13 billion yep. euro 
um, uh, here so in Ireland. He's really not uh, mucking around when it comes to this stuff. No, 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 no. This is this is kind of like being sent to the headmaster or headmistress's office and there's no way of getting out of it. So what Musk usually does is he'll turn up to hearings and he will, like like famously a recent one, he kind of tried to start the fundamentals of law to a lawyer under uh, a questioning process in the court, even though he has no legal background. And he ends up getting schooled himself in that. He tried it with the, with the, uh, the initial case to get out of buying Twitter for $44 mm, billion. Yeah. Dollars. Um, didn't wash. He got absolutely uh, uh, rinsed for that. He ended up having to pay every single penny of the contracted amount. So he 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 tends not to win in those situations. Um, but that doesn't affect his pro, his pro, his thinking process. Normally, is how can I just uh, inject big ideas, cut everything to the bone, and let's see what happens? You know, he kind of do, that's his 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 thinking process. Yeah, and, and as you say. You know, sleep, it's all right if you want to sleep on the floor of your gigafactory or whatever. Mm. It's another thing to send demands to people mm. around the world that they behave in the same way as you. Um, but I, would you not agree that some of that's performative? Like some oh, of his sure. stands, they love that. They they think, oh yeah, you know, this is here's a guy who finally understands what work is, and we're getting back to the. the he genuinely oh, sure. has a tribe of people who think. That just because you sleep under your desk, that you, that that's work, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh, for sure, some of it is performative. That thing we saw about him sending people a Google sheet saying, "I agree to be hardcore by five p.m. Eastern or whatever." It yeah, was. there was an email. Yeah. And by the way, by the way, that email was sent out to staff, including here in Dublin. Yep. I'm sure to, to London as well, yep. and. A lot of people just didn't reply to it, which led to a scenario where they locked out staff from the offices for three, three and a half days because they didn't know who had resigned and who who hadn't. Like it's amateur hour. Yeah, they well, were actually was... literally having to tot up who's still at the company. Well, and there were stories, weren't there, straight away um, from that first mega round of layoffs where he was sort of personally phoning people, people were being called by their line managers. Beg, who had walked out begging them to come back because they literally couldn't do some of the stuff that needed to be done without certain individuals. I, I think I saw one story on Twitter. Look, I take all of this stuff coming out with a slight pinch of salt, but someone tweeted that they were in charge of the badges that gave access to Twitter HQ and, mm. and they had resigned and therefore suddenly Elon Musk couldn't even get into Twitter. Now, again, I'm not, you know, I haven't had a chance to kind of verify this stuff, but I think mm. it is the fact that it is endemic of the chaos that seems to be going on. And you're completely right that it's performative and he does seem to thrive off the chaos, but actually, and that's okay. Maybe when you're making a car that's not on the road yet or have grand ambitions to build amazing rockets. And we should say these are amazing products. Like Tesla has totally changed the way people approach electric vehicles. Yeah, I mean, it, it's complex. And because I give him a lot of credit for Tesla and for, you know, uh, disrupting and driving the electric car, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Mm -hmm. At the same time, people who follow that industry more closely than I do, I'm more tech than, than auto, but they will tell you that the Cybertruck, for example, has been on pre order for what, 18 months, two years, where is it? And oh, the roadster I mean, yeah. was 10, 10 years ago. I, how many of those were ever were ever shipped? Musk does have, for all of the kudos that he rightly earns from 
us, his critics and, and others. Um, he also has baked into that a reputation for un, for not delivering, for under-delivering. Where are the autonomous um, driving uh, Teslas? Where are they on our roads? Yeah. Well, well, to be fair... He not, like two years ago. Yeah, to be fair, he's not the only company who has struggled uh, to get... I don't think anybody has gone out of that. I mean, because I remember, and you're right, I remember Ford and Volkswagen and the others, but he, every few Apple's months... struggles in autonomous vehicles and electric vehicles more broadly as well. Yeah, but they, they weren't declaring it every few weeks and every few months in the same way as Musk. And they weren't pinning the reputation of the company. So if you look at Tesla's share price, it has fallen by more than any other big tech company's fall price in the last two months, about 40, 45%. And I think one of the reasons for that is that a huge reason that Tesla's share price was so high was because of Musk and his you know, innovative reputation he brought to it. And to some degree, that's justified. To some degree, it's a myth. Now, the more we see Musk screwing up at Twitter and kind of being incompetent from a management point of view, I think that's starting to affect the Tesla share price. I think Tesla's about 5 or 10% further down than it should be because now what they're doing is the stock is starting to be valued on, not on the genius innovator and what he might deliver in five years, but on how many cars they sell compared to General Motors, Toyota, Volkswagen, Ford. And that's a much less flattering metric to value the stock price at. So all of this is by way of coming back to Musk um, in terms of whether, you know, how much substance is there to quite a lot. But there's a large dollop. There's a large dollop, which is spoofing. Yeah, I would actually argue as well as uh, all the points you make about the actual sales of cars, which you're completely right about. There is also now a sense I get the impression that if you were someone who was interested in investing in Twitter, particularly maybe at an institutional level, you're looking at his behaviour and you're going, is this the company I want to put money into? Is this the man I want to back? Yeah, I, that's a very interesting question. And that goes to other cultural debates within Silicon Valley as well, because there are still quite a few um, very significant institutions and individuals of worth who, despite all the crap over the last few weeks, still back Musk and still think that he has enough credit in the vault to be able to, to turn a company like Twitter around. That doesn't include, you know, like Unilever or General Mills or, you know, Coca-Cola. But yeah, but it does include his best mates, Jason Calacanis and some of the, you know, the Peter Thiel types, and they're important. They do have a lot of money and they have enough money to to keep him going. And it all, there's a huge tech bro element as well. If you saw yep. the picture he tweeted of himself yes. at the late night in Twitter, him and his all is. I tech spotted bros. the women. I spotted the two women. I found Where them. Where were they? There's two in the background. It was like playing Where's Wally. Oh, I did find them. Wow. That's, you know, you should have, I, I, you should, you would have gotten a Nobel Prize for discovery for that one. But, yeah. Um, I was quite uh, proud of myself, really. He still does have some support. And I suppose as a journalist, and you probably find this as well, this is one of the challenges here is to try and keep a certain amount of objectivity and balance. I know there will be people who say, you know, you're kidding yourself. You you know, you you have biases and, and maybe I do, but you, you you must acknowledge that Musk has support some of it well-founded still in the valley 
and further abroad, and they don't all live in Texas, and they're not all Ron DeSantis fans. Um, <laughs> oh. Even though he's he's sending some bizarre, maybe dangerous signals in terms of who he's letting back onto the platform. Yeah, let, let's get onto that because that was one of the big things when he first took it over, wasn't it? The kind of will he won't they with Donald Trump, um, and he sort of played on that a bit and did it. This I think this is my general issue, Adrian. There seems to be a point with it that there's also just kind of he seems to be the reveling in being the ultimate troll. Mm. And, and yeah. that he it sometimes feels, I'm sure this is not the case, but there are sometimes a sense that he bought the company just to troll everyone. You know, putting up a poll on Twitter, should he let Donald Trump back? Yeah. Which he knows he's going to wind people up, get engagement, be divisive. And Donald Trump is back. Okay. I think there was at one point, I don't know what the final score was, but there was a 52, point. 52-48. I was worried that that was going to be the end. Uh, yeah. And I sort of had horrible flashbacks to 2016. Yeah. Um, you know, he's let Kanye West back. And Kanye West's uh, first tweet after being banned for and all the issues around anti-Semitism that surrounded mm. Kanye West was Shalom with mm. a smile on it, you know, a smiley emoji. Um, he hasn't yet, at the time we're recording this, and the issue with discussing this on a podcast, unless you're doing it live, is that by the time I put this show out, it can have changed. But we're mm. recording this on Monday afternoon. And thus far, Alex Jones, who, lest we forget, had a fine with more zeros than I can calculate for the terrible conspiracy theories he spread about a school shooting in America. Um, Sandy Hook. So the, yes, the Sandy Hook shooting. And he at the moment is not allowed back but we're in a holding pattern with this stuff um you know at the moment that seems to be where they're drawn the line and you made the point before we were recording actually that all these decisions we were promised would be taken by some kind of sensible expert committee mm. and yeah, we have yeah. seen no evidence of that have we no musk in his first few days, when he was facing very critical questioning and made a potential advertiser backlash about the content on Twitter, he stated that there would be a content advisory council and that no big decisions on, for example, letting Trump back in uh, would be done without consulting that council. And he went, he even mentioned names of people who would be on the council. Then the advertisers left anyway, or a lot of the big ones did. And he seems to have decided, what the hell? So instead of forming any content advisory council, let alone consulting them on it, he decides to run a Twitter poll, okay? Which, as you and I know, can be gamed in a million different yeah, ways. I mean, not, not to be taken seriously in any form. Yeah, I mean, That's I mean, why if, I say it's if, just top level trolling, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if, if, if not to be pejorative and not to generalize, but if the Russians decide that it would be good for a lark to tear Twitter apart again, you know, they could have unleashed a couple of million bots. Anyway, it's 52 to 48. And without any content advisory council, Trump, his account is still live. He hasn't tweeted. No, I've noticed that he has, he's sort of being a bit like a child who's been told off in typical fashion is stuck to his own true social platform at the moment. But yeah. We wait and I, I, see. He, there's no question that he will return to Twitter. There is no question. If Trump wants to have a run at the uh, the 2024 election, there is no question. Trump is addicted to media and attention more than anyone else. So he will be back um, on Twitter. And 
you know, regards to Alex Jones, he tweeted, Musk tweeted yesterday when asked about Alex Jones, he said no, because um, he yeah. related the story of his own um, stillborn child and said that he can't abide the idea of profiting from, from dead children. But that's what he says now. Four to yeah. six weeks down the line could be something completely different. It, it could be. I do want to... Just to be fair, I do want to just repeat exactly what Elon Musk has said about yeah. Alex Jones in particular. Uh, he, he the, you know, the BBC has reported and it, it is on Twitter that uh, Elon Musk said he had no mercy. That's a quote for anyone who would use the deaths of children for gain, politics or fame. Because as you say, he lost a baby. Uh, he, he said felt he, he must said he felt his child's final heartbeat. So this is obviously, as, as one can understand a deeply, deeply traumatic thing for an individual to have gone through. And um, it's something he obviously does feel deeply personal about and care about. Now, I can completely understand that. I completely understand what you're saying that, you know, in a few weeks, if he thinks it will increase engagement and revenue, it, he could change his mind in a fit of pique or whatever. Um, I just wanted to give the full context to that. Um, we should also say that actually... In a way, you know, the fact that something so personal can affect him, even, you know, you and I would instinctively, I don't think I'm putting words into your mouth here to say that you and I are rather pleased that we don't have to have be on a platform that Alex Jones is on. Um, a revolting, mm. revolting individual. Um, but actually, it does emphasise as well this decision that it is Elon Musk as an individual making these decisions, which whether we agree with that decision or not is not necessarily a good thing for a mega platform like Twitter. Yeah, I mean, there are two ways of looking at this. One is that Twitter is a privately owned company um, that needs to make more money and that an entrepreneur has taken it over. And therefore, in theory, he can do whatever he wants within limits. He, As we've discussed, he can't in Europe start denying the Holocaust or allow people, you know, routinely who do do that. And then it becomes uh, an issue of public safety. And then yeah, and he's not allowed to do that. But otherwise, who he lets on and off He's allowed to to do that himself. That's one way of looking. It's his play at it. thing. Yeah, that's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it, which he himself tried to advance, is that Twitter is a public square and crucial for you know uh, discussion and democracy, and he wants to help that mission. Um, and still make money out of it, but that that is his primary goal in buying it. Now, if that is st still holds in his head then you know that does not synchronize at all with the philosophy of taking decisions yourself privately to run a, a, a you know a five minute poll or 24 hour poll and then decide yourself without consultation with everyone else to let somebody who was kicked off for <laughs> almost inciting a, a really horrendous um historical meltdown in washington um the the, the two things don't rhyme so you no. kind of have to pick which lane you're in which theory do you go with is it a public uh discussion vehicle which is vital to democracy or is it a completely private thing that is now yours and you do with what you want if you try to argue that it can be a bit of both fine but that mixed messaging then you'll be attacked by all sides the one thing i have noticed is and like, the line becomes very blurry doesn't it yeah so you know he's not you know he's let another 
a rather revolting individual and influencer called Andrew Tate. If you don't know mm. who Andrew Tate is whilst listening to the show, just do yourself a favour and don't bother finding out. You've done very well so far. Um, yeah. You know, again, not a nice individual. Was he interviewed by Piers Morgan, by the way? In the last I don't week. remember that. Let's. I can't recall. I, I so believe I'm going he was. To say I believe nothing. Piers Morgan, Mr. Desert. Look, I interviewed Piers Morgan once, actually. Um, but it, it, he's increasingly just desperate for anything that will get his show ratings. And now, in uh-huh. fairness, well, he, he, he got it with Ronaldo. But I, I've written about that. Yes, I wrote. I did a newsletter about the kind of full force of the Murdoch media machine getting behind that interview, which was yeah. interesting. But he, and that's an entirely different uh, yes. discussion. But but um, he, I believe, he did interview Andrew Tate about a week ago. Um, I, I'm sure. Anybody, if he did not, I'm, I, I apologize, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he did. But um, but yes, uh, you, your point is is well taken uh, about Andrew Tate. Yeah. So you know. My point of illustrating that example is the line is pretty pretty blurry, particularly when you and it, and it always is. You know, it's blurry on Facebook, it's blurry on any of these platforms. Um, and but in a way, it should be. You do need some flexibility when making these decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's much harder when you're an individual taking those decisions and don't seem to be consulting anyone else and have two other mega companies to be running. Yeah. And if I'm a shareholder of Tesla, I am now thinking to myself, Elon, I appreciate that you have a curious inquiring mind and you'll always have your side projects. But for the love of God, my pension is now starting to be hit by your dalliance in in Twitter. And the more that you expose, you can't win with a company like Twitter. Twitter is not an engineering problem. It's a sociology problem. The, Mm -hmm. the, The issues that you're trying to solve for are not issues of code. They're issues of ethics and etiquette. And this and is politics. The, he, because of his, he is an engineer by background, Elon Musk, and he seems to not be able to get past the bit that every problem can be solved by engineering. Hence the pictures and the whiteboards you talked about before. Yeah. He thinks everything can be served, solved by hardcore, his word, engineering sessions with mm. people stuck in a room till God knows what time at de- morning or night. And some, you know, some whiteboards and some pizza. And that's just not how it's going to work with something like Twitter. But that does lead us to the kind of final part of this dilemma. And I suspect the bit that actually worries Elon Musk the most. How the hell is Twitter ever going to make money? And by the way, if you have a good answer for this, I want a chunk of the consulting commission you get. Well, we know... We have an idea of how Elon Musk thinks it's going to make money, and it's not just the $8 per month um, for the fake verified. Um, if no uh, other reason that not many people are going to take him up on that. Well, I certainly wouldn't. I mean, I've no. I've been verified for a few years. And, well, listen, I mean, you're a big you, deal. You want, you want to take my blue tick away? Absolutely. That's completely fine. Um, but uh, he's not going to make that much money from that. The biggest clue that we have is in interviews that he has given. He gave a Twitter Spaces interview that I listened Mm -hmm. into about 10 days ago. And there he talked about the concept of Twitter becoming a super app. And he talked about the idea of, for example, adding um, payment features onto the app and other features as well. So he, he thinks that Twitter is so well positioned among so many people that it can naturally add um, other features onto it that people might use. Now, he might be right, and this is maybe plays a little bit more to his strengths as an entrepreneur yeah. and an innovator. And, and an engineer. Yeah, and, and an engineer. 
And this is also one of the reasons I think he's, he wants a code reset of the company because he wants to change the, the basic... Uh, yeah, the fundamentals of it. Yeah. yeah, the chassis and the engine of Twitter to be able to accommodate that in the future. Now, you know, could Twitter make money that way? I mean, it's a fair bet. It's a reasonable bet uh, that it could. Is it in Europe? We, we're not used to those kind of apps really in Europe. Even, I, I think if you asked... Even most mm. people down the street, do you, did you know that, uh, you know, Facebook and Meta and Instagram are owned mm. by the same people and WhatsApp? Yeah. Would many, most people know that? A lot and of them don't know that, yeah. Is that the, that's and true. that sort of is the closest thing to a super app we've got, but they have, Meta, have kept everything very separate. You don't open well, one up where you can see your Instagram. Yeah. Do your shopping. You can. Now, t- two things about that. One that exact set of circumstances where it's not normal and it's not typical and people, you know, and, and legacy companies have done a bad job. They're exactly the kind of circumstances that he yeah. usually does well in, in changing the market. Yeah. The other thing, though, is that we do have some apps that are emerging in Europe, which if not quite super apps are getting close to it. Revolut is a good example. Um, I interviewed the CEO and founder of Revolut a couple of weeks ago on my own for my own podcast, Nick Storansky. And they do, it's not just money transfers, they do things like credit cards, they do loans, they've just added messaging. And Storansky told me that they will go into mortgages. Okay. Yeah. So now you whether or not you or I will apply for a mortgage there, you know, is moot. If 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 you have a generation that is aware that Revolut offers mortgages, Revolut is becoming a financial super app. So it is possible to broaden the horizon of what your app, which was once known for one thing, which is money transfers, which is Revolut, does. Um, I, I personally know people who now do most of their banking through uh, Revolut. It just takes the right kind of entrepreneur. And to be fair to Musk, that is an area that he... That, that could be him. I, yeah, that could be him. That That is a, that is a medium to long-term... Um, to he doesn't. Those. He doesn't seem to have the patience for that. Um, no, we should he, say, in the context of these super apps, there, what he's basing this idea on is some of the products available in China, mm, where people kind of live within one product right. and ecosystem. That I think is his vision. I, you know, take on board the th- point you make about things like Revolut, but again, that is still only one sector it's trying to be in. Mm. They're not. Yes, there's some messaging involved. You know, even in, if you have Monza, you can send a message where you send a, a bank transfer to tell mm. your friend what the money's for or whatever. Um, but they're still in a lane. They might be expanding how much of that lane they cover. But you're not going to post Instagram-style videos and pictures through Revolut, I would imagine, anytime soon. No, you won't. Um, Whereas I think what Musk wants you to do is message your friends, yeah. Uh, put out whatever opinion, share a link, and do your shopping within Twitter. That- uh, basically, yeah, I think. And, and if I were to try and advance arguments in his favor on that, I would say that if you use Twitter, you probably use it, and anyone who is an iPhone or an Android phone can just check their own app usage in their phone. There's a good chance you're on that as much or more than any other app on it, during the it's day. Deeply, which means- deeply embarrassing, Adrian. It's deeply, deeply embarrassing when I look at that data. So um, if that is the case, then you could colloquially be regarded as living in that app. And therefore, Mm. there's a certain amount of users who 
you have an advanced chance in terms of an audience already to sell those services if the services seem appropriate. And that's Musk's whole thing. I will make a really easy to use, effective thing, attractive a service or product for you to use. You wouldn't have considered it before, but once I have shown you how it works and what it is, you will use it. That's the gambit. And that's why people back him out with money. Yeah, I mean, there is so much to unpack. And as I say, by the time you're listening to the show, six other things might have happened that we didn't know about and, you know, have changed some of the fundamentals that we're discussing. But it, the truth is for us as journalists, it's a fun, it's a fascinating story and a fascinating individual to cover. Um, I think there is genuine concern from what I gather that, you know, throughout the World Cup period, where we know that big sporting events provoke lots of activity on Twitter, that you know that could knock the reduced that could knock twitter down given its reduced engineering capacity and because of that it might also not get back up again i think mm. those are genuine concerns now i i have always said throughout this that nothing radical was going to change once he must bought twitter i thought you know there would be a lot of performative declarations and not much would change and i have been already proven categorically wrong the app has been updated a number of times you're starting to see real change so Maya culpa from me. Guess what? I was wrong again. Um, but it, it's a little bit wobbly though, as well. I mean, I don't know if you found it, but I, I found yep. that the 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 app is too jittery. Uh, it, it some things seem slightly broken. If somebody removes themselves from a conversation, the app starts to skip. The yep. the timeline starts to skip. I've received hundreds of new bot followers for some reason. You know, all of a sudden in the last ten days, and um, really annoying. And, and lost followers as well as people give up on it. It's all quite yeah. messy it's going yeah. to be fascinating to see how this plays out i look forward to following uh much of your reporting on it, adrian where can people get that reporting and keep up with you on twitter while it still exists yeah well it's, it's twitter.com forward slash adrian weckler or in the irish independent independent.ie uh, i will be sure to link to all adrian's fantastic work in the show notes i'm at charlotte a henry on twitter while it still exists uh, if you're listening to this podcast on Substack, thank you so much. And thank you so much for subscribing. You can also get the show wherever you normally listen to your podcasts. So if you want to stay within your normal podcast app, you can get the show there as well very easily. Um, I hope you do subscribe to the newsletter if you're not there already. You can also check out theedition.net where we're trying to do a bit more regular blogging as well as, as a twice weekly newsletter. So thank you all for your support for that. Thank you again, Adrian, for joining me to unpack all of this chaos and I'll see you all next week. Thank you.